Hello up there, good people. We are War Inside My Head, a mental health podcast. Brought to you by your host, Beardbo. And Ormi. Every two weeks we share our highs and lows, as well as breaking down the goings on and releases from across the metalverse, as well as chatting about movies, games, comics, and anything else that tickles our fancy. We started this podcast to promote mental health awareness. We're trying to do this by sharing our own experiences and how we keep ourselves almost sane by indulging in our love for all things heavy metal and beyond. Okay guys, we like to feature up and coming metal bands, so if you would like to be featured and have your song on one of our episodes, please hit us up. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and you can also find us on Instagram at WIMH underscore pod, or you can contact us via email on WIMH pod at gmail.com. Welcome back, everyone, to War Inside My Head, a mental health podcast. Beardbo, how are we doing this week? Oh, Ormi, I'm feeling a bit rough, mate. Uh, you can probably oh. tell by my voice. I've had a bit of a chest infection and obviously all the coughing has just made me throat very sore. So my voice probably sounds a bit gravelly, a bit rough. So I do apologise to everyone who is listening. Hopefully I'm ready for the, back to full health for the next one. How would you sell good, sir? I quite like it. It's quite sultry. I like it. It's, you know, that kind of, oh, that breathy voice. Hello. <laughs> quite like it, to be honest. Uh, no, I'm I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's been a, a little bit of an extended uh, gap between podcasts due to internet issues and, and many other things and just life getting in the way. But we are back and I'm excited to talk about we've got some big, big news happened recently in the world of metal and beyond. Uh, so I am very, very keen to get into these topics. Well, before we do get into the into the news or um, carrying on from what we discussed on the last one, how is the routine going? Are you keeping on top of the routine? Is it still going smoothly? No, nah, it's in the bin. No, that's not true. It's not. <laughs> yes, I'm keeping on with it. I've added to it. So things like doing the, I was, I mentioned doing things like just a little bit of exercise in the morning. I've been doing that and kind of just slowly increasing the amount that I do with each. I do about 15 reps of each now. Uh, and also I'm still keeping on with the, 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 the bike as well. So that's three to four times a week. Started off in 30 minutes. I'm now up to 45 minutes per session. So I'm slowly building it. I'll probably get them an hour once I build it there. That's probably, I think, enough. But again, just slow steps. But I, I will say, I, I've started taking some supplements to help the sleep, some natural stuff, which has helped. And I've definitely seen an improvement in sleep, uh, which in turn has 100% improved uh, mood, energy, things like that. Getting up in the morning, I'm getting up quite early and I'm feeling like, you know, getting up ready to seize the day. I've done things like not looking at my phone at night, which is a big one. So there's there's a few things I've done. If anyone's interested about improving sleep, I, I highly recommend a guy called John Huberman. He has a, a podcast. He's been on Joe Rogan and things, but it, I like his stuff because he's a scientist and you know he's a he, well, he's a professor at Stanford University in the in the states, and he talks about how to improve your sleep. But it's not you know jargon. It's all science based. If you don't like a lot of technical language and science, 
probably not the thing for you, but he has some great tips. Maybe watch the Joe Rogan episodes where he kind of talks more sort of layman's terms, but his is kind of more technical and it goes over my head most of it. But he has some great stuff. But that's definitely seen an improvement in my in my kind of overall. Put a link in the description on this uh, on this episode. I will. I will. How about you, Stephen? Have you been trying to get any? But obviously, I know you haven't been well, so you uh, managed no, to kind of put anything in. Been doing like a lot of like shift swaps and stuff for for work colleagues, etc. And myself, so that way I can go to a few gigs. Obviously, went to Electric Callboy and got another one coming up for tomorrow. So I've been here, there, and everywhere for my shift. So. No, I haven't even kept anything. And obviously, I haven't been very well. Uh, so that's obviously put a damper on me. Uh, energy levels and just motivation, etc. Just feeling, uh, you know, fatigued, etc. But hopefully, uh, within a, the next week, I'll get myself sorted and get myself into gear. It's that time of year, isn't it, where the, the leggies are going about, the chest infections, it can be quite difficult. Something that I wanted to talk about kind of leading on to that we're in december now so we're recording this uh, at the beginning of december so we're, we're heading towards christmas we've started opening our advent calendars but i do know that this christmas is probably going to be quite tough for people and i do un- understand what it's like to to worry about money when you're going into this time of year uh, i'm lucky now i'm at a point where that's not so much of a concern for those that are worrying about these things, and it's been a reminder this this sort of last week. I'll, I'll basically I'll tell you a story. I went into a card shop the other day to pick up some cards. I got there, I looked at the the mom section, you know the cards for mom and that, and I literally had to walk back out. That that myth of once you get through the first, you won the first Christmas and things get better. It doesn't, unfortunately, um, and it'll never get any better. But it it kind of really hammered home the thing to me I've you know I grew up at Christmases were nothing I, I, I we grew up in a very sort of you know very low income household there was times when we had nothing literally nothing in the cupboard so we you know we we fought to survive but one thing that I'm definitely reflecting on this year is you may not have as much money you won't worry about money but remember the most important thing particularly at Christmas is your family and if you have your family there then that's important and your family care more about you and spending time with you uh, and you know doing things whether it be on christmas day we know that we all can't sometimes we have to work i've done it my, work those shifts myself but make the most of it in terms of your family because you won't remember years from now the the money side of things or that time when you you know you didn't get that present or you couldn't buy that present for someone what you'll remember is spending your time with your family yeah, Christmas is not always about presents. Though. It's just it's mainly just being with your family. No, and it, I think it's when you suffer a loss like we have. You know, that's kind of when you start to realise that a bit more. And I'll be honest, I've never been quite materialistic at Christmas, probably because growing up didn't have a lot of money, so we never spent daft the months. So my mum used to, you know, she was unbelievable the, the lengths she went to to be able to get us the stuff I, I wanted, which I always appreciated. I'd give all that up and give up all the money in the world just for, you know, one more Christmas with us. So, guys, remember that it ain't just about money and presents. And I know, it can, you know, nowadays not having the latest trainers or phone and things, but it won't matter in 15, 10, 20, you know, 20 years or even five to 10 years. What they'll remember is spend the time together. Cherish the moments that you've got, basically. All right, cherish the moments that you've got. Exactly. 
Exactly. So just remember that, guys. Money and everything and family is where it's at. So, you know, plan things together. There's plenty of things you could do around Christmas that don't cost a lot of money. Going for walks, going feeding the ducks in the pond, all that kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll kind of touch base on this a bit more next week. Talking about strategies, you know, charities and things that you could look into and um, local areas and national things that resources might tap into. But I just wanted to think, and for those people out there that have lost people, there's support out there for you too. Okay. But, you know, we see you. We know you're out there. So remember, guys, that yes, this is a tough time of year, but you have the strength to get through it. As well, Christmas is the perfect time if uh, if you've had a falling out with a family member, the perfect time for you to rekindle the relationship, you know, what under the bridge, apologise to each other, get back together, you know what I mean? Because next week they might not be there, so, uh, yeah. It's a very reflective time of year, isn't it? It is, it is, it is. We're going to move on now. Tis the season for Heavy Metal. As it is every single season, whether it be spring, summer, autumn or winter, it's always time for metal. Although I do believe sort of metal heads, it is more pointed towards the winter time. <laughs> Normally for the gigs anyway. Because I'm sure I'm sure metal bands just like would freeze my arses off. <laughs> uh, like that time that we waited outside in February for Megadeth so it would be first in the queue. Yes, yes. That's I think the coldest I've ever been in my life. Never again. I remember that. And then I remember your pal who worked on security came out and wound him up. Uh, oh, David Stain's laid up on the sofa. He's got a cold. Uh, he, well, he did actually, though. He did actually have the cold. That was a true story. But I'd say, oh, we don't know if it's going ahead. Is it? We've been waiting in the cold, man. I'm freezing. Hey, these security guards on. Wind up merchants. Wind up merchants. The problem of the summer is black clothing in summer. It's never good. Like, nothing. Worse. We can look at it. it, it a heavy metal festival it's just loads of people sweating as when proven full black <laughs> it's bloodstock exactly exactly black t-shirts everywhere and people sweating especially this year 36 degree heat in the middle of a field no shade oh it was awesome though yeah the one time when you had a really tall friend just you can like <laughs> I don't know, on the shadow just where you stand there like you so I can sit in your shadow, like when you found the one shady patch underneath the tent door. <laughs> I'll post that picture. Actually, I'll post that on a uh, uh, on Instagram as a little reminder of the summer. <laughs> but it is winter time, and uh, there was quite a major sort of announcement in the world of, of heavy metal. Uh, not only major, but also polarizing, as this band seems to be nowadays. What, what, what do you think I'm talking about, Stephen? What do you think oh, I could be talking about? This is a little band called Metallica. No? No? Who are they? No. I'm only joking, man. Of course it's Metallica. They're going to be big, then. They're gonna, I'll tell you what, mark me words, they're going to be massive, man. They're going to be huge. Huge. So, <laughs> yes, Metallica not only released a new song, uh, Lux Eterna, I believe is the way that you pronounce it, they also announced a, a huge tour. They also announced their enhanced experiences for the tour, which I'm sure we'll talk about as well. A bit of controversy around that. Of course, when we're talking about gig tickets and things as well. So yeah, Metallica are back with a new song. Have you heard it, Stephen? I know the answer to this, but you know, in the interest of podcasting, have you heard it? I certainly have. And I really dug it. Very old school. 
with a little bit of new school as well. I got the vibe from it. Uh, sorry. At him coughing, ladies and gentlemen. He's mute. He's nice enough to mute his mic. Yes. I don't want you to have his coughing on. Sorry. I'll have to learn to do little fills, like little large drum fills when you when I, you go silent. <laughs> I listened to it. I thought, as you say, yep, it, it was definitely old school. I looked at it and I was like, hold on, is this like the, the intro? Because it's only three minutes, 20 seconds. I was just about to say, it's under four minutes. What's going on, Metallica? It's under eight minutes. <laughs> What's going on? I know, uh, but I really enjoyed it. Again, it had that old school sort of more thrashy vibe. Uh, I wonder, you know, I, I wonder when this was recorded because I know that they the, the kind of said they, they kept it a secret almost all the way through the pandemic. Um, so they must have been working on this for, for quite a while. So it's interesting because I, I was thinking we talked Maybe about, it's... you know, they did the, the tribute show for um, the guys from uh, Metal Megaforce Records recently the Zazulas and I wonder was that a little bit yes. of an influence in terms of putting that song first going back to the old school mm, I could have been possibly actually I there has been already criticism online uh, you might have seen the post I put on Instagram about all the well that's a shock <laughs> all the fans come out the ones that say they should have finished years ago the ones that will support them in the new music uh, the ones that think everything before the Black Album is the best era everyone that thinks the music after the Black Album is the best era the people that think that only the Black Album's worth listening to there's all the different fans come out people are already going on YouTube and trying to uh, fix the so like lot uh, Lars? Lars is solo? Doing the fix Kirk's solo. There's all this type of thing going on, as always happens when Metallica decide to release something. They also announced, have you seen the tour that they've announced? I think it's called the the was uh, the name of the album. The No 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 Repeat Weekend World Tour. Yeah, so they've announced it. All dates are on a weekend, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. Um I think it's Saturday, Sunday anyway, but it's a weekend, they're on the weekends and they're going to play two nights at every venue and it'll be a no-repeat weekend, which is in game Metallica. Our ones for trying something different, you have to give them that whether you agree with it or not. So what's your thoughts on this tour? Really good, to be fair. And they can do it because that back catalogue is insane what they've got. Do you know what I mean? So they can easily pull off uh, a no-repeat weekend. Um, some of the bands, I believe, on one weekend, they've got Five Finger Death Punch. And then on the other, they've got Pantera. Um, <coughs> haven't seen the full lineup, uh, but yeah, dude, it looks absolutely sweet. I wish it was coming to the UK, but uh, unfortunately, it's not. Well, Death. yet you know what Metallica are like. They'll, you know, they'll announce. Well, I suppose it will fall in with Mabby's with the download, Mabby's. I hope it will, but we know there's a lot of logistical problems with both working in Europe and then the UK for tours that the bands are dealing with, so that might be another reason why nothing solid for the UK has been announced yet. But I think it's a cool idea. I wonder how they're going to split it, because I wonder if they're going to do, we're going to do maybe one night of the hits, like the greatest hits, and then one night the rarer stuff. So maybe, you know, if you can't afford to do both nights, but you've seen Metallica loads of times, you'd like to hear some of the rarer stuff. Maybe they do that on the, the first night or the second night, or if they're going to mix between the two. What do you think? I think they'll <laughs> mix between the two, personally. I think they'll mix between the two of them. Because uh, like we've just said, you know, how many... That back catalogue is absolutely insane, man, isn't it? It's uh, Let's be it's pretty intense, to be fair. They've got uh, a, a, quite a, an extensive so, back catalogue. 
so much to choose from. Um, I mean, just the first three albums in themselves, they can play them in their entirety. Uh, the Black Album, that can be pretty much be played in its entirety. Uh, Load and Reload, then you can take your bits and pieces from them for, for hit-wise, because you've got King Nothing was an absolute banger of a track. Uh, I Disappear, which is going into the 2000 era, I believe, 1999, 2000, because I believe I was on the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack. Again, I really dug I Disappear. I don't know what people's thoughts are of that, but I really dug it. Um... Saying, I mean, maybe they could do maybe one or two from Saint Anger. Do you think that's the case? Well, yes. Or do you think that's yeah? The, the title track definitely. Even stuff like um, Death Magnetic was massive. I think they got a lot of fans off the back of that album. Um, stuff like All Nightmare Long. I loved. I've seen that live when they did that too. I was the first time I saw them the Death Magnetic too, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, as you say, the the back catalogue is is intense. There's a lot of lot of stuff that they can pull from, but I just wonder if they're gonna how they're gonna split it. If they're gonna purposely go maybe a rarities night and a popular night, or we're gonna blend it together. That's what I'd be interested to see. Or even maybe a modern era night and a uh, an older era night. You know, like the classics. It'd be interesting to see if they're gonna do that or if they're just gonna mix it up. Maybe's maybe's. I personally though, the song that I would really love to hear them see because I've never seen it live. No Leaf Clover. Yes, with the from SM. I just, the only thing I think of, I suppose that you just use backing tracks, couldn't you, if they, they really wanted to play that live? I suppose it Because obviously yeah. it's with. Uh, I'm sure there's a version, there's a version without the um, without the orchestra, where they've recorded it normal. Without, without the orchestra, because I know it was, it was written for that, it was written for SM, but they could have, they right. might have recorded it. Um, as well, but yeah, if they've got doing two nights, you want to be pulling out the kind of the you know the rarities. And I know they've done like vote to us where you could vote for what songs they played or certain songs at least in the set. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, they might announce that it's not until next year, so there's plenty of time to announce something like that. Mm, definitely, definitely. So did you see the news about the enhanced experiences that they've announced as well? So there was obviously all the stuff came at once, but they announced the enhanced experience packages as well. Did you see anything about that? Is this, uh, well, I think this was actually one of my news because I was actually going to bring up about how people's not reading headlines. But, but basically, when it comes to news articles, they'll read the headline and then that's it. Uh, really? So on, Metal Suck, on MetalSucks.com, on another Metallica, they were like, seriously, fuck your wallet. Ticket packages can cost us up to seven grand. And people's kicking off without reading everything that's in the article because there's about six or seven different packages and not only that like you've just announced not only that the seven thousand dollar package is a group package for up to eight people and if you actually look at it it's free drinks all night free food it's a private box it's what you would pay for uh, pretty much about for a private box at a a sports event uh, ish maybe a little bit more but, you know, if you have eight people, it works out at about $900, which is still a lot of money. But I think people tend to forget rich people and people that have a lot of money, like Metallica as well, they can be fans of bands. So they get to have that experience. And it sucks because it's like, I want to I want to go to the, the posh box and, you know, get free drinks and thing all that. But I can't afford that. But some people can. And that, again, that's an experience where it's going to be what? It depends on how many boxes there are in the arena. There might be, you know, 20. So they've got 20 of those packages available, whereas there'll be, you know, tens of thousands of seats available for, for regular fans. 
Yeah, cause I think general, general like, uh, general ticket is like a hundred and twenty dollars. So it's just not much. Probably works out what ninety pounds roughly for. I'm, I'm going to have to 95? correct you there, Stephen, because if they release the tickets through Ticketmaster, that means the pr- the ticket price is not one hundred and twenty dollars. That means the starting right. price of tickets is one hundred and twenty dollars. I just want to make that clear. Ticketmaster oh, sure dynamic if... pricing model, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> wasn't sure of that. Oh, well, because you're not just buying tickets from. Ticketmaster, you can get them from other places as well. I would imagine. Yeah, you, you but, can, uh, but the problem is, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, Ticketmaster and the company that owns Ticketmaster, Live Nation, also owns a lot of those ticket companies, which I didn't realise until recently. Yeah, 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 which we'll get into very shortly. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, basically that was kind of my bit of news as well. People not reading articles, just reading what the headlines is. Uh and like, like they say, the packages because you've got the the end of the flame pit experience, snake pit experience. Uh, if I remember the uh, moth into the flame, which is between uh, one thousand and uh, one thousand four hundred. So yeah, this, you can check them online. What what packages might suit you? Or none. You just want a, a plane ticket and. Again, unfortunately, with the dynamic pricing models, these are going to be starting prices, starting ticket prices. So, yeah, I mean, something like a, you know, one of those kind of experiences, like the seven thousand dollars ones. You've got eight friends that want to go. I might end up being the same cost as would be for just a general ticket at this point. So, yeah, Ticketmaster rears his ugly head again, and fortunately, it won't be the last time we talk about them in this uh, this podcast. No, they're going to be bought, bought up quite a bit, Ticketmaster. Until the sort that shit would anyway. Which fuck knows when that'll be. Hopefully soon. Again, but that's a really good point that you've said that. And actually this leads on because I've already seen comments for this. This is kind of fresh off the press. We are the pit.com reported on this. But Veal, I don't know if I'm saying the name right, because I'm not well, I'm familiar with their music, but I'm not a fan. But Veal Valo, is that, Velo, is, that, is that how you pronounce his name, Stevie, from him? Uh, Veal Valo, yes. So Veal Valo, yes. Yeah. So Veal Valo from him, not her. Uh, can you even call them out like this? Who knows? But has come forward and said that he thinks that behind John Bonham, he thinks that Lars Ulrich might be one of the most important <laughs> drummers of all time, mainly because of his, his recognisable style uh, and, of course, longevity as well. And certainly one of the more kind of prominent drummers in terms of, uh, I suppose, celebrity status, you could kind of say it. Uh, not You know, he's made millions selling art and things as well. So what do you what do you think? Again, it's not saying, and it's a lot of people have read this going, no, Lars sucks. I'm not saying he's he's the best drummer of all time. You're saying he's an important drummer. So what what do you well, think? He's not the worst drummer. And to be fair, the majority of the people who comment on Lars's drummers and on his drumming skills are not drummers themselves. So if he can do better, have bit have at it. <laughs> not to be not to be an arse about it, but I mean. I kind of drum for shit. Do you know what I mean? So I've got really no, no uh, reason to say, Lars, you're a shit drummer. <laughs> um, so yeah, I haven't really got a problem uh, with these drummer. I mean, is his snare a little bit tingy when I say it? But apart from that, I haven't got a problem with it. Let him get on with it. But what about importance? So, so like, I, I tell you what, interesting little talking point. 
Importance versus talent. Do you have to be the most talented at something to have an importance in that or an important influence in that area? I would think he's probably one of the most world-recognised because someone who is not a metal fan would probably know who Lars Ulrich is because obviously what he's done in, in the past, etc. Uh, and I would definitely think he is a importance. Uh, he is a big influencer on uh, young and upcoming drummers, I would have thought. Uh, so yeah, I definitely think he's an important drummer. And I definitely agree with what Villavalo has said. What about yourself? Do you agree with what he's said or...? Do you have a different take? <laughs> Both we can say about Lars and John Bonham is they have very recognisable styles. Lars himself has a very recognisable sound now. And talking about, you know, the new single, you hear the drums on that, and that's Lars Ulrich playing. You know, you know it's him. We've mentioned this a few podcasts ago. There's a lot of bands now, and big bands that you'd be surprised at, that use programmed drums when they come to record. You can tell, listen at that, Metallica's not doing that. You can tell that Lars is playing on that record. Yes, is the mix still a little bit like it could be a little bit high in the mix? That's just, you know, that is the Metallica sound now. In the end of the day, by the time, you know, somebody will remix it on YouTube, I'm sure, and when you hear it live, it'll sound, you know, the usual Metallica live mix. So in terms of importance, I generally think, yeah, he's definitely up there. I mean, number two behind John Bonham. In terms of talent, I would say John Bonham's slightly above, but that's because he had a very unique style. And he, John Bonham passed away when he was young. We see this with a lot of guys. You, you don't know if, if Hendrix kept on going, whether he's becoming like a, a fat guy, put loads of weight on and become a bit of a has-been, releasing boring record after boring record. Would he said something controversial like Clapton's done recently and kind of, you know, in some people's eyes, damaged these kind of, or tarnished his legacy or whatever you want to call it. And not that I think that, just saying that that's, you know, the kind of people have been saying that online. But just think about thrash metal. When it came about in the 80s, Lars was drumming for Metallica and has drummed from day one. Sometimes I think he does a bit, especially live, there's a bit more showboating over concentration necessarily. But again, that's just part of the show, you know. Totally agree with what you've just said there. And very, very uh, a good point that you brought up about the uh, modern bands now using uh, like programs for their drums and stuff like that. At least you know with Lars, it's real. It's him. He's not using it. Because a lot of these projects now, it's like just single like guys, just or girls doing it by themselves. You know what I mean? Uh, and they'll they'll record all the parts, guitars, uh, bass, and maybe they don't really know how to play the drums per se, or they don't have the space for a drum kit. So they get a program, put the fellas in on the uh, on the program done and there's nothing wrong with using programmed drums i mean in terms of you know setting up and making up a drum kit it's a pain in the ass do you know what i mean when it comes to recording it to then have the skill set not only you know a drummer doesn't have the skill set to set up a drum kit and set up it in a way and set up the mics and things to record it in a way that'll sound good on a record so having programmed drums means that smaller bands can save money there's a reason why Metallica are the biggest metal band on the planet now still bigger than Slipknot you know in terms of the, the just go back through the record sales. That's just because they've been around longer. I would say that Slipknot are probably number two, but as well, there's a reason for that, and they are important because they have influenced. We saw what happened after Stranger Things. People getting into the band again, and say like, all it takes is show people this music, and they, they're still getting fans just by somebody going, "We're going to put it in the show," and people go, "Oh, what's this? It's called Metallica. Let's I'll show you this, this, and this." Absolutely amazing, and it's amazing how they're still influence 
now. So like so many younger people do just get in the mill, they still influence them. People still like like maybe it's that dads, like probably people like our age who's got bands, listen to this, you know what I mean? And they're like their minds are like blown and then they just become like huge Metallica fans and like you say Stranger Things has helped with a new yeah, it's kind of gateway people into new Metallica fans as well. Some people, because of Stranger Things, has kicked off about it, trying to cancel them. But uh, that's another podcast, another episode. Um, but yeah, yeah. So Stranger Things, and I think another episode, another TV series has also released a Metallica cover, which was, uh, I believe, Wednesday, the TV show Wednesday with uh, nothing else matters. I think. Yes, they did like an orchestral cello-led version, if I if I remember rightly. Well, I believe it's Metallica song, but it's Apocalyptic as cover. If that makes sense. But in terms of what we're talking about there, because you said gateway, and that's a nice segue into what I wanted to talk about next, which is gatekeeping in metal. So, have you heard the term gatekeeping before? Uh, I have not. So gatekeeping is basically, and I'll be honest, I'll come out and say it, I was guilty of this when I was younger, and I know that you were as well, but I wouldn't say it to the extent that we see it nowadays. But gatekeeping is basically, you know, in terms of metal, you have a lot of fans that have been around for years, and, you know, when people start wearing T-shirts, I'd say Metallica, and you get the whole, oh, name three songs from Metallica, or, you know, they kind of say, you're not a real fan because you don't know what this is. So you kind of, like, gatekeeping, like, no, this is our little thing. You can't come in here because you don't have the prerequisite sort of things that we want from you. It's something that I've seen for years, you know, I've seen it, you know, not just online, but in real life as well. But there was a couple of stories because there was a, a quite a, a, a good opinion piece which I'll post on the Instagram from, uh, again, We Are The Pit. And they were talking about, it was like an opinion piece about, you know, we need to get rid of this name three songs, gatekeeping nonsense. And I think it's an interesting time because we're talking about Metallica and Master of Puppets and Stranger Things and how people are getting into the band and listening to the music and they might have went and bought a Master of Puppets t-shirt because they heard that song they really really love it and they might have went on Spotify and listened to some other songs as well doesn't mean the most diehard fan it just means they're kind of getting into the band or they might listen to a couple albums and they didn't like this one but they like this one that type of thing so uh, what what's your experiences in sort of opinion on people gatekeeping in metal uh, I haven't really had anything like that done to me personally uh, I mean I've seen a few videos Jared Dine straight away comes to mind i've seen a few of his youtube videos when he's been at music festivals um him and a cameraman microphone he just stops random people name me three songs and basically the guy's wearing a t-shirt and a lot of the times that just because they're put on the spot they can't think like that the brain just doesn't engage and they're like blah, 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 blah. right field and then he walks away so he's literally he's given the guy or girl 10 seconds to try and give three songs, you've just put them on the spot, um, and then he, he fucks off. But I think he kind of on one of the one of them, he kind of I think Jared Dines got he's like just desserts because he stopped one guy, and he named the entire back catalogue. <laughs> and Jared Dines was trying to leave, and he just kept pulling them. No, back. no, no! You're not going then, anywhere. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> you he started went, this. You started this. I'm gonna finish this. And he went through every song. Every album, and get I was in. Like, that guy is a fucking legend. The the thing is, I'll I'll say as well. You know, name three songs. We're in a Spotify generation, we're in a YouTube generation where 
you know, we're grown, us growing up because we're slightly older. We're not, you know, old men yet, but we're not we're getting there. Um, you buy a CD, so we're not that old, not vinyls, which you can get now. So I suppose old people and young people buy vinyls. Our generation bought CDs, and you would go home, you'd have that CD, it cost you ten quid or maybe two for two for ten. I remember getting a lot of Iron Man's back catalog and Woolworths. This is how far back we're going. Um, two for ten quid, and then you sit down, put the CD on, you look at the CD, listen to the album, listen to the album, learn the song. Now we're in that that sort of Spotify generation, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as bands like you know, I'll go especially if friends is want to go see this band. Yep, I'll put them on Spotify, put on listen, really dig to what I'm I'm listening to. But that doesn't mean I'm I'm going through and learning the name of every song, particularly when you can put a playlist on, and you, you'll see it on Spotify is like this is whatever the artist is, and it could be a hundred songs, and like, I'm just listening to this and going, oh what's that song? Oh what's that song? And I might add some to it. Um, you know, a playlist. So you can like a band and not know the names of every single song. It's as simple as especially the way that people absorb music nowadays. Now, if you're hardcore getting a band, yeah, you're going to name the songs. I can name you, you know, a thousand ACDC songs, a thousand Iron Maiden songs. There's a lot of new bands that I dig and like, can I name the, all the individual songs? I name the ones that I really like. Uh, I'll name the album, but I'm, I don't know the name of every song. And again, as you said, people do when you put someone on the spot there's another from teaching when you put someone on the spot you, you should allow 10 seconds for the person to answer because that's on average how long it takes for you to recall so you ask them a question don't prompt them come on come on come on just go right i'm gonna ask you a question you know you've got time 10 seconds and then you know you have a think before you give your answer a lot of people think when you ask a question you feel like you've got to answer it straight away so people go ah uh, fuck and there's been times with me people ask me stuff i'm like my main brain's gone blank and yeah. it's something I know inside and out, but your brain just goes, because you're putting pressure on yourself and you're not giving me time to go, right, I'm going to sit here and think. If you said, name me three bands by this artist, I'm going to give you a minute, stand there for a minute, and then give me your answers. I bet you and money the results will be different. Yep. Or maybe not, but again, that doesn't mean they don't like the band. So that could, could this be the same sort of thing then with uh, celebrities? Because celebrities have been known like Kanye West, Kevin Hart, Kim Kardashian... Iggy Azalea, they've been seen wearing metal band t-shirts, uh, which doesn't necessarily say that they're not metal fans because people keep uh, commenting on Kevin Hart when he was seen wearing an Exodus t-shirt. I think it was Exodus. I'm not sure he was wearing the Exodus or Testament or Kanye was Western Exodus or Testament, but either all, they were, one of the, they were seen wearing metal shirts. Um, name is three songs again. So could that be the same sort of thing we mentioned for them? Do you know... With that, think of it from the perspective of you're a band, all right, something like Exodus, and actually we'll come on Exodus next because there's an interesting article about them. You're a band like Exodus. Kevin Hart wears your T-shirt. What's that going to do? Tell the, the, the basically the fact, what's Kevin Hart wearing? Who's Exodus? I'm going to go check this out. Yeah. They might not even think, this, this is a thing as well. There's no reason why Kevin Hart might think they're a band, might think it's a brand or a cool T-shirt at the end of the day. Mm. You know, this is the thing. It's not like back in the day when you pretty much got your T-shirts from gigs or that one little shop like Pet Sounds in the town. Now they're everywhere. You go to H&M, they've got loads of Metallica T-shirts and some really nice ones as well for a quite cheap bargain as well. Not that I'm advertising H&M, but they do have that. So maybe people like to go, that's a cool design. And you know, for me, it, it doesn't matter because what people forget is if you buy something with somebody's logo on, they're getting some money off that. So they're supporting the band, whether they know three songs or not, they're supporting the band. So they've bought a T-shirt and they've put band money into your band, your favourite band's pocket, and I don't see anything wrong with that. Exactly. 
So I mentioned Exodus. Exodus. Well, we meant you rather you mentioned it, but I have got a I've got an article. Let, let, let's hear it. I do love me some Exodus. We fucking love Exodus, don't we? We certainly do. The last, but one of the last bands we saw before the pandemic is we went to the um, what was the name? Uh, the Bear Strikes Back tour yes. in Manchester. Funnily enough, uh, and we saw Exodus, Testament, and Death Angel, and it was fucking awesome. And the night before that, we'd seen. Grand Magus and Wolf, which was fucking awesome as well. Yes. One of the best weekends of music I've ever experienced. And then after the pandemic, first major gig back was Halloween in Hammerfall in Manchester. Oh, oh. And they were fucking mint as well. And Halloween should be announced with Bloodstock. Just about to say, we forgot about the new Bloodstock announcements. <laughs> so we'll quickly dive it, quickly dive it, quick. So Halloween's been announced, Meshuggah. Meshuggah headlining. Buzzing about Halloween because I fucking loved them in Manchester and I really wanted to see them again and I had my fingers crossed that they might get uh, announced so I'm 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 over the moon. How about you? Oh, Halloween after we seen them in Manchester when I see that announcement I was like yes because that gig that we were at Manchester with uh, our good friend Michael was fantastic. It was amazing. I mean, I realised how much of a fan I was of each band because I know every song that's being played tonight and then I was like I hope they play Keeper of the Seven Keys. And then when they played that, I think you saw me. I was just, I was away, just singing me heart out. Absolutely loved every minute of it. I just thought it was great because they had all three singers from past, present. Do you know what I mean? And there was no like animosity between them. And all three of them were on stage for I Want Out. And then that just, boom, blew, yeah. my, blew my fucking mind. All three singers from past, present, you know, the future, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it was just, it was fantastic to see, man. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. And the scene announced. Hopefully, they'll kind of do that again for Bloodstock. Maybe you still don't. Um. Well, I'm. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Maybe he's even. Uh, maybe he's appearing the signing tent and go and meet the lads. That'd be actually. I would. I would actually enjoy that. Yeah. I'd be. He wouldn't be able to get them all in though. There's about nine of them, isn't it, at this point with the success. True. true. <laughs> uh, speaking of festival announcements as well, while we're on it, I just mm-hmm. thought. Um, mm-hmm. I'm buzzing because we talked about Dominion Festival in the last podcast and they have announced a couple more bands including one of my favourite bands to see live, I've seen these guys I don't know about 10-12 times now Orange Goblin are headlining Saturday at Dominion Festival I am absolutely buzzing Orange Goblin when was the last time we see them, was it Bloodstock or was it Um, Bloodstock was the last time I've seen them but we've seen them in Sheffield, we've seen them Newcastle a few times, they've played Bloodstock they kind of play like every other year, Bloodstock you know, the local legends around the Midlands, um, fantastic band, great back catalogue and I'm so chuffed to see them headlining Well, speaking of Dominion Festival as well, have you seen that they've announced mm-hmm. the Battle of the Bands similar to Metal to the Masses Yes, they have, yes Which I am uh, thrilled about because it's good to see festivals. I know it's like Dominion's first major festival and the first major festival for ourselves in the northeast. So two reasons to get excited. But to give smaller bands a shot on a big stage, it's amazing. Uh, and all all gigs are being held at Little Buildings in Newcastle. First heat being held on the 10th of February, uh, which has got Desolation, Erebor, Liminal and Mortal Chains. That is going to be a fantastic gig. Uh, it's going to be a tough one to call because uh, I've I've met all of them, uh, all fantastic people. Um, so yeah, and then Heat Two on the seventeenth of seventeenth uh, of February with Distorted, uh, Dutch Elm, the NA, and Undertow. Again, another fantastic one. 
uh, Heat 3, um, Edge of Obsidian, Last Chance Scenario, uh, Player Dead and Sorority Girls. <laughs> I fucking love that name. The only thing is about the Heat, buddy, which uh, I don't know if you've seen the news, but I think they're all sold out. <laughs> Are they? I know Heat 3 was when I seen... Was it just Heat 3? Well, hopefully, well, if you want tickets, be quick, because I did say that the other day before we get people excited. Well, uh, Just to let you know, by the time this is released, it may have sold out. Just so you know, you're going, oh, I want to get tickets for this. You, you might be disappointed. Right, right. Well, uh, I'm not saying anything, <laughs> but I've already got my tickets for the uh, 10th of February. Uh, here we go. I knew you were going to say that. Heat, I'm already got my So ticket. far, for Heat 1, I've, I've got my Heat 1 ticket. Well, there you go. So, but yeah, just in case you get disappointed, going, oh, that was. Ah, but that I know, great. I definitely know Heat Three is sold out. So I'm sorry, guys, if anyone wants to see the four bands that I've just announced. Um, Heat Four before, because I've, I've I've announced the other three heats. Not can't do one. Do one, just leave the last one. Heat Four, fourth of March, uh, is uh, Swarms UK, Cracking Wakes, uh, Demogoda, and uh, Everice, which is uh, another fantastic lineup. Uh, and what, like what Orbit just said, check online and check and see what has sold out. For my knowledge, all I've seen so far, Heat 3, Saturday the 25th of February, is the only one sold out so far. At the time that we were recording this podcast. That's correct. Because <laughs> you never know. So be quick, be quick. Yes, be quick, be quick. Going back to what I was talking about then, before I went off and just remembered, and I, you know, the, the announcements which it is you know it's important and I hope some get you know we are in the northeast for the Dominion Festival but it'd be great to see some people coming up and if you want to meet up we might even announce on the podcast maybe once we know what the venue's like we'll see you know next one of the tents and set up a time so you can come along and we can have a chat and things and uh, all that type of good stuff because we're quite nice in person as well grab a selfie Grab a set. Grab a selfie. I'm terrible at selfies, man. I'm terrible at phones, so you'll have to take the picture. Otherwise, it'll probably be back front and blurry if I take it. <laughs> no worries. So, going back to the article. So then, Exodus. Uh, Steve Zetro, Suza, who I love Zetro. Uh, I don't know if it's still on Spotify. I hope it is, but there was a Metal Talks series with Zetro where he introduces a lot of the band's music and things. And it was just, it's just, you want to explain what metalheads think of metal? just play that it was just like we're all in this together we're all metalheads and it's just like yes Sarah. but he's come out and he's talked about that you know they never really hit the height in terms of commercial success that maybe Metallica did or Megadeth did or even bands like Anthrax yeah big four of Thrash Anthrax Slayer Megadeth and Metallica for the last one I was trying to think there so they see a big four of thrash as they're known. But he said they never really hit the the heights and he kind of also, you know, speculated on why that might be. What what do you think might have been the factor on that, Stephen? And what do you think in terms of commercial success mm. against creative success? Commercial. So being, you know, in sort of your yeah, in terms of, you know, really big sort of commercial success towards musical sort of integrity, if you like, and the the quality of music that you're putting out. Right, because when when you say commercial, I thought it meant like some sort of like uh, radio players, maybe sort of thing at first. No, commercial as in you know popularity, popularity, album sales and merch sales and being used in Stranger Things, that type of thing. And just for Exodus, you that we were just in thrash in general. Just in kind of in general, I mean, put this bit. So for Exodus, 
so we're talking about like the let's focus on Exodus. Mm. So for Exodus, do you think there's a reason why maybe they didn't hit the 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 kind of popularity heights and the the money heights or whatever that maybe Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, and Megadeth did? That's a tough one. I don't know, but they've both got different sounds. That's a thing as well. Because personally, I love Exodus. Over Metallica, sorry to the Metallica fans out there. Um, I can't see a reason why they didn't. They should have done. They should have gained as much success as Metallica or even Slayer for that matter. I think Metallica is the weird one because to compare it to Metallica, what I would say is it is to compare it to Metallica. It's difficult. It's probably, I mean, comparing it with Metallica, I mean, take the big four, Thrash. Metall- Metallica never really had an out-and-out all the way through Thrash album, like Slayer or Anthrax did. If you listen to Kill Em All, it's more like a, an, an old-school 80s metal, Judas Priest sort of vibe with the Thrash elements. Then you go into Ride the Lightning, which again's got that speed and things, but there's also the lighter parts of the album. And it's really Megadeth, who, as I say, you know, even in the early 90s, they, they're... they're you know, they're really heavy thrash stuff. They kind of did more commercial, like Symphony of Destruction, which is still heavy, but it's not, you know, like really fast sort of stuff. So really it's Slayer and Anthrax are probably the two comparisons, I would say, <clears throat> in terms of the style of music. And even then Anthrax did the, their big thing was like crossing over with Public Enemy and doing Bring the Noise and things. Again, as as, as well though, is it, uh, whose choice is that to write those? You're, you're saying about, you know, Symphony of Destruction for... I mean, it was a fantastic, and it's a big hit for Megadeth. But that record, who's who's telling them to go out and write a a less thrashier sound? If that makes sense, is that them yeah. who want to do that, or is that the record label? Or again, going back to what we talked discussed in a, a couple of podcasts ago, um, is it Megadeth just writing a a, a bog standard, get this out there, so we can get off the label, sort of thing? Do you know what I mean? Like I said, don't get us wrong, Symphony of Destruction is an amazing hit, massive. Probably one of Megadeth's well-known songs. Um, outside of like, I would say probably the the one or maybe Holy Wars, but I would say that's more. That was after Guitar Hero came out. If you're in like the, would you say the thrash metal like circ- like circle sort of thing? If you're looking on the outside of just being maybe he's not a metal fan, and you hear Megadeth, oh, is that them that sings symphony? Yes, do you know what I mean? But obviously, you're in that circle. Uh, and obviously, then you getting back into the name your three songs, and then, but yeah, uh, I can't see musically wise because Gary Holt is a fantastic guitar player. I can't see musically wise why they're not as big as, or why they weren't in the big four. I mean, that big big four thing personally is scrap it um, because there's so many good old school thrash bands. Well, forgetting Testament here, yeah, mate. Testament. Well, uh, to be honest, this is the thing. The big four, the big four is not based on sort of talent creativity. It's based on album sales. They were the big four because they're the, the four biggest in terms of the album sales. So, I mean, Testament, Testament came a little bit later into the scene, you know, in terms of their commercial success, more into like the late 80s, 90s, whereas Metallica started back in 83. Um, and similar, I mean, I think Exodus was like around about sort of 85. So, you know, the, the late, the the groundwork but thrash metal was never that commercial so it was a very short amount of time but like punk underground kind of short underground, where it was commercially yeah. yeah it was just because metallica has become so massive 
in Megadeth have become massive to a point, but even outside metal circles, not really. But they are known as a name. Slayer, again, I mean, how much of their profile being raised? But in terms of commercial success and like quality of albums, those big four, you look at the big four, look at what albums they've put out in the last, let's say, 10 to 15 years, sort of since even since the millennium. And you look at Testament, you look at Exodus, you look at Death Angel as well. I would say those three bands and a lot of other thrash bands as well, have their output has been more consistent in terms of how much they've released. You know, Metallica haven't released that many albums since 2000. And, you know, they've been of varying quality. Uh, Lulu, for example. Um, even if you go after St. Anger, I mean, that's what, three, four with the new one? Whereas you look at like Exodus' last few albums, you look at Testament's last few albums, or even four or five albums, even Megadeth to a point, there's been some hits and misses. But those other bands that are just plugging away, keeping the sound, you know, keeping to that sound and thrash ethos, I would say creatively, they are above those other bands. And I love Metallica and, you know, some of my favorite songs are Metallica songs, Fate of Black, uh, things like that are some, you know, always up there. But in terms of creative output, I would say those bands, Testament and Death Angel and Exodus and a lot of those bands, that have kind of come back are way above, you know, the big four. Yeah, overkill as well. Not only Overkill and Creator. You know I mean, we could be here all night. Overkill, mate. Creator, mate. There's a thousand of them, isn't there? You could be all night naming them. We just want to say, fucking Exodus, Zetro, we fucking love you, mate. Oh. It doesn't matter how, what commercial success you got. We fucking love you. Thank you for keep going because we've seen you about four or five times now. And every fucking time... We love it. Back to that metal talks though on Spotify. If it just if if you haven't listened to it, try and find it on Spotify. It's just that end segment. I just fucking love metal, man. I just, I just fucking love metal, man. Oh, I'm gonna go. You know, after this podcast, I'm listening to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, Absolutely. Yes, Sarah. But even goes into his like he's past as well because obviously he did his first two albums with Exodus and then he kind of like left and he pretty much became a taxi driver. And then he, he's like, he, he discusses like, he's in sitting in the front, and then someone jumps in the back of his car, and he's like, someone's listening to Exodus, and he turns around, and he looks at them, and he's like, really? And then the the, the, the passenger was like, what? What's the matter? You don't like Exodus? <laughs> Metal. And he's like, get the fuck out of my taxi, you little bastard. <laughs> Obviously not realizing that the Exodus singer, oh, past singer, has just kicked him out of his taxi. Just kicked out of his taxi. <laughs> That goes true though, but again, that's another thing. Like, just because you love the band doesn't mean you have to know what all the members look like. You know, it's one of those things. Kind of ties back that gatekeeping, doesn't it? It's like, I've, you know, I could say that there's a lot of bands are like, I don't know what they look like if you know if the walk past is on the street. But that's because we don't live in the magazine world anymore. You know, it's whacking on Spotify. Listen, I really dig this. You might dig into them if you want to. And let's be honest. Want to, but. They're not Instagram models, are they? Don't know, don't know, like Zero's a handsome man in my opinion. <laughs> put a, I miss miss me long hair. That's what it is. Put, put a couple of Instagram filters on. Beautiful. I don't want to talk about this next subject because I have been talking about it a lot. We've talked about it nearly in every frigging episode, but it is important to the industry. And you know, Ticketmaster has reared its ugly head again. All right, so false thoughts. <coughs> sorry. <laughs> or ticket bastard, as I like to call them. Sorry. I'm sorry to the audience. I'm really sorry about that cough. <laughs> I didn't cut that one up, did you? Didn't mute there, did you? <laughs> so, 
Ticketmaster and more to the point, it's it's parent company Live Nation who I watched. Uh, shout out to Tank the Tech on YouTube. I watched a very interesting, two very interesting videos where he broke down how Live Nation owns Ticketmaster and how like, the tour inside works, but also then all the subsidiaries, which is a lot. Ticketweb, I bought tickets to Ticketweb. You know, thought, well, it's better than Ticketmaster. It's owned by Ticketmaster. So it's one of these things. The reason it's come back in the news, there's been a couple of things. Bruce Springsteen's defended his ticket prices, which were, again, very, very high. And then, again, with the, the dynamic pricing going even higher. Uh, M Shadows made similar comments de- defending it. And also, Taylor Swift was the person that came out against it to the point where, actually, there was so much backlash after the, the Taylor Swift debacle. And again, she's not metal, but it's very important that these people are speaking out about it. Um, or at least Taylor Swift is, that the US uh, government's going to look at this under the antitrust laws in terms of like, do they have too much of a monopoly on the market? Which they fucking do. Anyone with two eyes can say that or even no eyes can say that. Um, it kind of rolls into don't be a dick as well for M Shadows and I'm going to put Bruce Springsteen in this their basically defence was well if the money's going to go up why shouldn't it go up to the artist why should the scalpers get get it when we can get it and I get what they're saying but the fucking problem is you shouldn't be jacking the prices up to stop ticket tout for one you jack the ticket prices up the scalpers jack their prices up that's fucking obvious it just is Second of all, what you should be doing instead of going, well, at least we'll get the money and why shouldn't we get that money and put the prices up? What you should be doing is what Taylor Swift's done, what Ed Sheeran did a few years ago, what Iron Maiden tried to do a few years ago as well, and that's stand up these fucking tout websites like via Google. It's not a ticket reseller. It's a fucking tout website. We should be standing up. The artists should be standing up saying we're not having this, but they're not. They're just saying, well, if they're going to make money, why shouldn't I make more money? If someone's willing to pay a grand for a ticket, yes, someone is willing to pay a grand for a ticket, but why should a person have to pay over the odds when somebody who wants to be front row should be able to be front row for $200, not two grand? And that's what he quoted saying, well, if someone's willing to pay two grand to be front row, why shouldn't we make that money? What a that fantastic kind of, for me, attitude to have. Well, Fucking right, money. mate. If they make more money, yeah. why shouldn't I make more money? What a fa- what fantastic attitude to have. And again, again, Bruce Springsteen said something to the effect of why shouldn't the artists get the money? And I, I get that, but you, the, the problem is with the dynamic pricing is you're fucking fighting it the wrong way. You're putting the prices up and all it's going to do is jack the fucking resale value up. It's obvious. You know, what you do is you go, you can't resell tickets. Well, how do you do that? There's plenty of fucking ways. You can't tell me that in 2022 there's not a way to police this. It's as simple as that. There, is, there are definitely ways to do it. And yes, as I've said, it can be a pain if you need to get tickets refunded. Then we should make the refunds easier to fucking get. If a gig's sold out, there's no reason why you couldn't get a refund and then be able to resell those tickets at the vendor easily, easily. It's as simple as that. And then M Shadows went on about, well, they've, they've promoted two hours and lost money. Yes, they have, but those two hours they lost money on are nowhere near the gains that they've made. You can look at the figures. They've made hundreds of millions, and that's just Ticketmaster. When you look at Live Nation, the numbers are even bigger. But when you've got people coming out and saying things like, you know, defending, they're going, well, why shouldn't we make that money? Not the touts. Why should anyone make that money? Fucking the best example I can say is, uh, remember the Led Zeppelin gig years ago when they did the, re- the re- um, what's the word? The, they came back for a tribute gig to Armit Ertigan. Uh, vaguely. 
years ago at the O2. And what they did was a lottery. Right. So it was a lottery and it was you, you you put your name in and it was a lottery and then the tickets went out and you could put in so many t- like maximum amount of tickets and then it was a lottery and it sucks because like, well, I was there first. It's like, yeah, but at least that would be more fair and then you can go, right, we've got a list of names that didn't get tickets or there should be a system where you can sign up and the first people out of the list, if somebody wants, I want a ticket refund, they go, no problem. There's your money back. We're going to sell them on to the next people at face value. That can't be fucking difficult to do. I don't care. But Ticketmaster's just Ticketmaster have just seen the opportunity. And this is why they haven't fought the ticket touts, because they don't give a shit because it makes them more money. Same with the artists, as we've seen with those attitudes. They're not bothered about it because they can make more money off it instead of fighting the good fight. Then it's just the the people that get screwed. Should the artists make two grand if someone's willing to pay that front row? Yeah, but I don't see why someone who can't afford two grand can't shouldn't be able to sit front row and have that opportunity. So basically, you're just trying to sell people's dreams to them for a fucking profit and fuck both of you. It's all down to money. It's always been about money. How much money can they lie in their pockets? It's fucking disgusting. It really is. Bruce Springsteen needs to give himself a shake. So does M Shadows and it's fuck. The Aldi. Let's be honest, you have the Aldi. Bruce Springsteen, the working class hero, is he fuck? Working class hero, are you sure? Did he go and work Aye. in a taxi like fucking Zero after he got sacked? <laughs> well, he'd never been sacked, but there you go. He doesn't have to fucking go work in a taxi, mate. He's got the fucking money behind him. He got to work He's on building sites. I working class my ass. <laughs> there you go. But I think there's, you know, there's been a bit backlash, and I do know people say, well, the artists should get paid. I'm not saying they shouldn't get paid. No, they should get paid. You know, it's the, it's a hard work at the end of the day. It should be a fair price that the artist gets paid good money for what they, you know, what they earn. And I'd be interested to see, like, if you've got the E Street band behind Springsteen, do they get a split cut or does they, right, you get paid a set amount for this tour? So any extra money made at the t- ticket gates, is that just going all to Big Bruce himself and the, the record companies? That's what I'd like to know. Yeah, maybe. Honestly, it's, it's pissing us off. It's, it's starting to really fuck me off and mm. I know people are like fucking hell talking about this again the reason keep and I will keep talking about it until um, something's yeah. done sorry to to the war inside my head listeners but yes this is going to be brought up quite a bit on this so uh, I do apologise be angry join the, the the thing I'm going to find that link and I'm going to post it again there are companies that have signed up to a uh, an initiative where it's like fair ticket prices for all so everyone can get the tickets but there's definitely got to be a better way not just jacking the prices up because it's fucking shit and it's just a game people are just going I can't afford to go to this gig loads of people don't want to go to Blink-182 they just can't justify the price so that's it you know well you can't you you don't make enough money to go to this gig for me that's I didn't think that's what gigs were about but it seems how many it is. people do make how but how many People do earn enough money to go and see that type of gigs, apart from like. Well, put this way: two hundred and thirty-four pound, and this isn't floor seats. This is, um, sort of the first tier of the arena. So if you think about like a, an arena, like the first tier up, two hundred and fifty quid to sit there. I mean, and now the cost of living is bad at the minute. But is that really the answer for hiking this shit up? No, mate, it's it's just again. I I, I don't want to because I'm just beleaguering the same point. Yeah, but that, it just fucks me off. They're pissing off the fans, which then it's affecting their business at the end of the day because then they're not going to get paid. If if more people get pissed off about this, then people's not going to buy the tickets to go and see them. And then you're going to go on stage and have a whinge. Well, why is no one coming to me shows? <laughs> Basically, because you're hulking up ticket prices, mate. 
it's one of those things people will pay the price. And that's the thing, people will pay the ticket prices, which is fair enough, but it's just the fact of I don't like the fact that people that can't maybe afford that. As you say, I, when I growing up, gigs were affordable and been to plenty of affordable gigs and they're out there. But, you know, you think with a big arena, it would reduce the prices, but it's not. Um, and it's just a shame that, you know, there's, but artists seem to play less dates now, but in bigger arenas for more, like, in charge more money, which discounts a lot of, like, you know, people from seeing them. There's a lot of bands like I made, and I know people at my age, me and you, your age, so I made playing the, you know, like uh, the Newcastle Arena mm. um, yeah, yeah. and Metallica as well. They saw them there. When was the last time Metallica played Arena that size in the UK? Not for a long time. And I know, especially with older bands, you know, they don't want to do as many nights, but I still think, you know, it, it just sucks for the fans, really. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what gets to me? It's not just the and fans. And then stupid gets... comments like that. It's everyone that gets affected by it because if the tickets don't get sold, then the fans are missing out, and then the band doesn't like the the band or the artist doesn't get paid. Uh, the arena staff, I would imagine, like the security, um, doesn't get paid. Do you know what I mean? So everyone gets affected by having these high, ridiculous priced uh, tickets. So lower your prices, basically. I just hope we find a way to you know make it fairer for all but I'm guessing maybe that's just a pipe dream eh maybe maybe who knows might even get worse <sighs> should we do not. something a bit more a bit more uplifting <laughs> well you said this kind of goes into the the don't be a dick award as well so we may as well announce who it is yeah well again M Shadows and Bruce Springsteen for that shaky comment again yeah. people might not agree with us but I don't really give a fuck the people probably guessed who it was going to be to be fair to move on to the next one, which is the Metal Health of Spirit Award. Yes. Somebody that's done something Uplifting. nice. And as we've talked about Ivan Moody, he's known for sort of beha- unpredictable behaviour. and But he is the recipient of the Metal Health Spirit Award this week. From zero to hero. <laughs> yes. Zero From to hero. That's an 80s metal song I've ever heard Basically, one. if you haven't seen this story, it's... You can watch the video on YouTube. He was uh, performing a live show in the States and some poor um, fan just started fitting, having a seizure in the front row. Um, The security just didn't have a clue on what to do, but they jumped over the barrier anyway. You know, they're checking over, blah, blah, blah. Ivan Moody on stage on the microphone shouting instructions on what to do. To the security guard, the security guards are just looking at Ivan Moody, shrugging their shoulders. No idea what to do. Ivan Moody jumped off the stage, fuck this, hopped out of the barrier, moved everyone out the way, put the person in the recovery position, pretty much save save their lives. So big, big shout out to Ivan Moody. What a fucking legend. He could have just stood on stage and let people get out of the way, like, but he didn't. Off, help them. What a legend. What a legend. I mean, he put himself at risk. Yep. So he yep. was always a bit silly, but he saw that, you know, what was happening to her, she wasn't being laid in the correct position. So he went out, he even went to get her a blanket and things to, to make sure she was okay. Um, and, you know, just stopping the music, there's still confusion and thing, but by jumping in, he's kind of said, look back. I mean, obviously people are going to listen to him. Do you know what I mean? They're not going to say no. So they were, 
you know, and fair play to the fans for like, you know, doing that yeah. and then, you know, was just kind of not say, just trying to grab selfies with them and stuff I like was that. Just about to say respect to the fans because they could have just tried to like, oh, while he's putting the last in the recovery position, someone someone's sick just kneeling down, just getting a selfie with them while he's putting them in. But they didn't they left them alone, do his thing. Absolutely amazing. So yeah, big shout out at Avon Moody. Metal Health Spirit Award winner for this week. Rock on, mate. Rock on. <laughs> Talking of rocking on, this week we're going to see what we've been listening to. This, what have I been listening to this week? I don't know because I haven't got my list up. Ah, give us a second. Oh, well, I'll start them while you get your list up, shall I? Go on then, go on then. Go on. So, well, I don't know if, you, if you've seen on Instagram, but I purchased a new vinyl uh, from, yes. I don't know if you can remember him, but we met him at Bloodstock. He, he goes by the name of G-Man uh, yes. from his side project, uh, Strike Eagle. Fucking what a name. Love that name. And he's released, uh, it's a little bit different to what I'll normally listen to. It's a retro wave, synth wave, 80s metal, but... Right up my street. Fantastic. Hard target on that record is amazing, dude. I don't know what he's done, how he's done it, and he's getting some. He's had a kind of few people uh, featured on it as well. Uh, I think I think his name's uh, Ben Higgins. I think he's called who features on Hard Target. Um, mate, he's done fucking great with that record. And the, I bought the vinyl off Bandcamp. Uh, came the other day. And it's the the blue vibrant on the vinyl, it's so beautiful, mate, absolutely fantastic. And he, he was kind enough to sign it as well, uh, st- signed it uh, to Biadro, uh, Steerad G Man. Um, so please go and check out. You can listen on Spotify. Um, yeah, hard target, or you can just listen to Operation uh, Mignol. It's oh, guys, it's so good. Well, how about this then? So I'm going to step on your toes. What about we play, if we ask, I'm sure you'll say yes, why don't we play Hard Target as our song to play us out this week? Well, you either been hacking my notes or you're just a good mind reader because that was my choice of song at the end anyway. <laughs> great minds think alike, son. Great minds think alike. So, yes. Yes. So are you, are you still pulling your list up or? Yeah, so there's, there's some band called uh, Metallica had a song out, which I've enjoyed. We've talked about that one. Um, the I've really enjoyed uh, Berserkia, funny spelling. Um, Brothers of Metal uh, released that one, which I, I really enjoyed, kind of sort of Viking metal type stuff, a bit of Monomarthy. Uh, similar, bit of sort of, a little bit of synth inside the sort of classic heavy metal by a band called all for metal. I've, one thing I love, I love proper cheesy stuff. Like I love metal songs about metal, like things like uh, let's oh, off the top of my head, Denim and Leather by Saxon, Kissing Dynamite, which did uh, Addicted to Metal. I love songs about metal. It's one of my favorite subjects for a metal song. And things like names, like like all for metal. I love shit like that. Just my that's my type of thing. Metal Division by Mystic Prophecy. 
Metal Division, fucking Metal Division. I fucking that love song. that song. But I, I generally do like anything. It's proper cheesy, but I think I, to be honest, a lot of metal's cheesy and it's a cliche, but it's fucking mint. Oh, it so is. fuck you if you don't like it. Primal Fear, I'm doing exactly <laughs> the same. I think every album, Primal, Primal Fear, Fear, yeah. There's a song about metal. It's just the best thing to talk about. But it about. kind of brings the. You, you kind of feel part of that, though, don't you? Like they're writing that for you. And plus, like, the bands themselves, they're just as much as fans as what we are. The... Yeah, exactly. So, which is what you want to see. Yeah, exactly. Other things I've been listening to just quickly, because I know we have, we've kind of been going along on this. So, Defense by Coffin Feeder, check them out, really enjoyed it. Uh, and also, there was another, the Bittery album, I've been listening to that uh, quite a bit as well. And I think that was pretty much it for what I remember. Uh, oh, of course, as well, one that I nearly forgot uh, New Guilt Trip. How could I forget? Again, I've mentioned them before on the podcast. One of my favourite sort of bands at the minute. Uh, love that stuff. Tearing Your Life Away, they've just released. Uh, check it out. They're a great, if you know, if you like hardcore, if you like old school metal, they have a perfect mix of both. With a little bit of like machine head thrown in there as well. Great stuff. So check them out as well. I was kind of like having a little fanboy moment because I shared that. Uh, that reel on uh, Instagram and they liked it and we shared it. Aww. So I was kind of like, oh, fanboy moment. So, yeah, go check out Guilt Trip. They're fantastic. Uh, and just last one to cap off, the recent new Motorhead song. Yes. Bullet in your brain, which sounds like fucking Motorhead and it's fucking awesome. I'm guessing that's one of like, an unreleased track. Like yeah, and a lot of time you go unreleased tracks. Like, oh god, there's a reason why it's unreleased. But that's actually a really class track, and it's nice to get you know a bit of more to head after you know so long after Lemmy's passing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, are you finished? Be honest. That's all, mine, buddy. You I've take the lead. To uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of these Brides of Lucifer. I have not heard of Brides these. of Lucifer. Is a thirteen-piece all-female choir band. Damn. But they, uh, it's got like that choir sound to that, the vocals. But they put that metal aspect on it, and they've released a full covers album. And listen to this, just tr- list of tracks: Painkiller, Roots, Bloody Roots. Is it a cover? Aye, it's definitely a. Cover. Oh, I want to hear that. Yes, I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Diver. South Never of, heard of it. Soul for Heaven. Warriors of the world. In a, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue in on. A, in a choir, chop suey. In a choir style vocal for chop suey. Get in. Honestly, you you need to give that album. It's just Brides of Lucifer. Self, Brides of Lucifer. Self-titled, fantastic. They've got all like the heavy riffs, but they also add the choir elements to it as well. Amazing. Uh, I'm looking at it now, mate, so I'm going to add that to my list. Absolutely fantastic. And, Great. Uh, oh, Fear of the Dark as well. Yes, Get it. Fear of the Dark. Uh, personal fear, it's probably Holy Diver because it just works so well. So well. And also, it's just like one of the best songs ever. True. This is very true. Facts. As the kids like to say. Yes. And another band uh, is called I played this on my Twitch stream the other night. Uh, the Browning. Yes, I said that correctly. The Browning with their title. Uh, the with, Browning. Yes, the, with their title track, Carnage. Now, that is a track that is here, there, and everywhere. Uh, you're heavy as fuck, like, like Deathcore. And then 
it's like a midsection and then goes into like trans techno for about maybe 10 15 seconds and then goes into rap for another 10 15 seconds, and then straight back into the death call it's fantastic and it works so well uh so yeah back to the browning carnage give that a check out uh, i played on spanning stream. many genres everyone dug it on stream the other night Plug, plug, plug. Stevie does stream as at Beardbo underscore Baggins with a Z on Twitch. You can check out your streams. Check them out on the same at Instagram as well because he won't plug himself because he's too humble. <laughs> so I date for him, like. Oh, thank that. And you might see me there in the, the chat section. Pissed. Well, and yes, just look out for the name Weird with a Beard. That's all me. That's me because I am weird and I have a beard. Wow, really, dude? I do, I. Oh, wait. And it's, big and it's lovely. It's no, one thing I'll I never knew you had a beard. A decent beard. I know. It's because uh, we only look each other like just in the eyes all the time. We just stare True. at each other in the eyes. True. That's why I just fucking focused on the eyes. Anyway, well, I'm looking at um, you, you can tell it's get, we've been doing this for like an hour and a half because we're fucking getting to the point now. It's getting silly time. <laughs> it doesn't help. I've had, a, I've had a couple of whiskeys as well, folks. Woo! Whiskey, gin, and brandy. And, and, and the court. I'm feeling comfortably numb. Well, hey, oh, for I tell you what, why did I say I'd learn that solo for Big Guitar Teacher? <laughs> but I am. I am doing all right, but fuck me. <laughs> it goes on. <laughs> it's like a Churzel party. It just keeps going and going, going and going. going. I hate to do this, but we're going to move on to Pop Culture Corner now. I'm not going to put the theme in this week um, because, sadly, we lost Jason David Frank uh, in the recent weeks uh, only heightened in sadness by the cause of death which he, he was confirmed by his wife that he took his own life um, which is never something that's easy to talk about however we are a mental health podcast We've the reason we started this podcast and we kind of talked about this in the first episode but it's worth reiterating we keep saying this particularly in the world of metal but you know Jason David Frank wasn't metal. Um, for those that don't know, he was famous for playing the Green Ranger and the White Ranger. Massive part of my childhood. I expect the same for you, Stephen. Yes, hell yes. He was like my hero in the nineties, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you can really tell people, you know, especially in the nineties. Before, I mean, this was before the internet, before you know, sort of mobile phones and things. Power Rangers was just the biggest thing on the planet at the time. Came out in like 91, I think we were 5, 6, and it was just absolutely massive. Took over everything, toys, TV, it was on everything. Can't explain how massive it was uh, at the time because we don't see that. We see things get really big, but with the social sort of, the way social media works, the news cycle's much quicker than it was back then. But this was like massive for a good couple of years, like with the biggest thing in the UK at the time. Um, so massive part of our childhoods. We grew up watching them. Uh, and sadly, as I say, we found out um, that he, he took his own life. Added to that sadness was the reaction to his wife after this was revealed, which can only be described as quite frankly fucking disgusting, the harassment that she suffered. Um, to give you an idea of the situation, they had been married for since 2003. They'd split up because there were some accusations on her part that he had been cheating on her. They went on a trip together to kind of rekindle, you know, try and make up 
and they had a heart to heart. She left the room to go get some snacks and things. She came back and the door was locked and it turned out in that time that she'd been away, a very short time, that he'd taken his own life. Now, of course, the way the internet reacted to this was blame and some other horrible things to a grieving widow. You know, they were split, they were still married. They had actually lost a child um, not that soon earlier, although it wasn't Jason's um, blood. He raised the child and they lost that unexpectedly. And just the reaction on to this by certain members of the internet community is fucking foul. And it's a highlight of how the internet can be a very toxic place. And, you know, please don't fucking engage in that shit. So, you know, again, it's kind of bringing the tone down, but it was very, very sad to see. And just before I hand over you, Steve, I just want to say to people, there's things out there. Um, there's no way that that wasn't going through his mind and all of a sudden in five minutes he just decided that was what he was going to do. That's obviously something that's been playing on his mind for a while for whatever reason. Remember the support out there. There's the goods, there's the Samaritans, there's mind, there's many different things to reach out to. We've talked about men's mental health groups before. Just remember, somebody would rather you take the time, tell them how they're feeling, or even go and speak to someone else saying, I can't speak to you, I need to speak to someone else, and have you there, than you not being there. So please just bear that in mind, guys. So, Stephen, your your thoughts on the passing of, of Jason David Frank? <sighs> Man, I was absolutely, absolutely devastated. I was, I was good. Like I just said to you before, he was my hero in the nineties. I always wanted to be. He used to play in the streets, blah blah blah. And you know, I mean, with your friends, but and you, you always, no, I want to be the Green Ranger, and no, I want to be the White Ranger. You know, I mean, Jason was always my. When we were just messing around as bands, I always wanted to be like, I always wanted to be like Tommy. Do you know what I mean? Tommy, it was just, he was just amazing. Um. And I do believe he was a bit of a, a rock fan. Not maybe he's not metal, but I do believe he was a bit of a rock fan anyway. Um and he, he's done like his YouTube stuff. I, I watched a bit few of his YouTube stuff that he done. Um and to, to hear how he's passing and, and the way he has passed as well. And it's such a young age. <laughs> Sorry. And at such a young age. It was full blown devastating, uh, and now because I kind of keep away, trying my best to keep away from that tox toxic level. Uh, to hear that for the first time, what his wife has received makes it hundred percent worse, because that that's a man's life that you're just you're messing with. Do you know what I mean? Think of what she's gone through. Then how? What if that then tips her on the edge to go and do the same? People need to be smart, because then then you've just got another end and ch- chain reaction. You know, you people just need to grow the fuck up. They really do. Um, it's it's absolutely sickening at times. You know, I'd, uh, I remember when uh, when when the Queen passed away, and everyone was laughing. Um and you know that that's a person's mum. Yeah, it's she's a grandma, she's a mum. You know, it's one you know of those I mean? things. Regardless it, of opinion it's, on something, it's um, it, it's it's heartbreaking. It really is. Something you just mentioned when we're talking about because like the bullying, as you said, it could push someone to do that. Um, some good news in terms of fighting that kind of thing. 
um, was that, you know, the encouragement of self-harm in the UK, at least this is a story from the UK, encouragement of self-harm is criminalised now. Um, so it's an update, the online safety bill, which they're, they're revamping. There's been a lot of criticism about they think it's going to be worse, but if you actually read into it, it kind of makes sense what they're doing. They're just changing the laws and it's about, you know, ring fencing, think, making things easier to, to tackle, really. But it will be illegal for encouragement self-harm, which it should be anyway. And yes, it it can be brought under other charges if there's enough evidence, but this is saying, you know, it will be specifically something that can be, um, and it won't take, you know, won't be until the point where somebody's killed themselves. It would be just self-harm um, of all different type of, you know, sort of abuse and encouragement around that. Um, so, I mean, there is some, I mean, some BBC was a bit sort of stupid about it. Like, there's obvious questions about how effective it will be. Are police going to prosecute a distress trial for posting pictures of their own self-harm scores? No, they're not. Uh, Mr. Angus Crawford, for the BBC, no, they're not going to do that. And having that attitude towards that is what really becomes a problem online. And you get people saying things, well, are they going to do that? No, they're not. It's about when people are forced or encouraged and there's evidence of that, they can now be prosecuted. That doesn't make any sense when you actually look at what the article's about. It's about the encouragement. They're saying like, well, if they post them online, is that encouraging other people? It's more about direct, you should do this, you should do that. And things like that. So again, a lot of people, the, time it's the media that should be held accountable for some of the stuff. Well, they should be, and that's why I'm holding them accountable because I'm sick of reading stuff like this by out of touch. Well, in this case, out of touch old man who hasn't really got a clue about this type of thing, obviously. Um, so really, it's not for me. It's not something that needs an opinion piece from the BBC on. They should just announce a story, in my opinion. But that's another thing. But at least it's good news that we are seeing strides in that area, and, and you know, online bullying will become more accountable, especially if it takes at the point where somebody ends up hurting themselves because of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, miss. Uh So, yeah, the last thing I can really say is rest in peace to Jason. Rest in peace, Green Ranger. He was always the coolest. Had the long hair, the ponytail. So, yeah, another part of our childhood. Significant part of our childhood. I do remember. Gone. I remember like, the moment like you, you passed, like, I was straight on to Spotify looking for that Green Ranger theme. Yeah, yeah. Played it a few times. I was like, oh, fucking hell, this is so good. Even I had pretty sweet guitar solos, but, but yeah, it was the first thing I did was listen to this. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So rest in peace. And again, yeah. to all those pieces of shit that I think forever, it's okay. Forever in power. Forever in power. But for those pieces of shit that I think it's okay to attack a grieving yeah. widow, have a word with yourself. Bye. Give yourself a shake. Get your heater wobble, as we say up here in the northeast of England. Oh, yeah. I hate to end it on a on a, a downer note, mate, but I think what? we're coming towards the end now because we've been going quite a I while. Can, I can bring it back up slightly if you wish on the pop culture. Uh, quickly, because it's I've got to go and put the Christmas tree up, and the wife I can feel uh, I can feel she's seething downstairs waiting for us. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, I won't keep you too long. Well, I'm on a moth. Oh, Minimith. Minimith, which is fantastic in an Asian accent as well. Minimith. Minimith. Are teaming up with Z2 Comics to release a graphic novel and a board game released on their album, The Great Heathen Army. How epic's that? That's an interesting combo, isn't it? I, I like that it idea. Is. I wonder what the. Board game. Boutique well board games. Combo. Oh, like a big thing now, aren't they? I've seen a lot of like Kickstarters and stuff and all these 
like sometimes they've got really complicated rules and things, but no, it's a cool way to like, especially if you're a big fan of the band. It's a, How many know, bands have you seen do that though? A board game? Well, be fair, mate, I've got both ACDC Monopoly and Ghostbusters Monopoly. So you're speaking yeah, but to the this wrong is, person. This, is, this isn't going to be like a Modern Moth Monopoly. This is their own. A what? From the, it's not going to be what? Ground. A Minimith Minimally. A Minimith. Minimally. Say that four times fast. Fuck that shit. Not with my cough. <laughs> No, but the, the comic thing, I mean, there's been bands in a few years. Kiss did it famously back in the day and they had their own blood put into the ink and stuff. And Yeah, I remember Kiss doing bands. the graphic novel. Yeah, Metallica, I think, did it at one point. But no, it's cool having a, in a minute. Yeah. I wonder what the, a... the actual board game's going to be. Like, what's I, haven't given any, I haven't given any news on the board game yet. Um, but the Heathens, basically this is a quote from the article, Heathens from Shore to Shore, we are thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Z2 to bring you the great heathen army a full-length graphic novel. Um, oh, don't know what's going on there. <laughs> so yeah, um, it's going to be a brutal story about war, of course. Bloodshed, glory, during the time of the Viking raids brought terror to the shores of England. Which Ooh. means our lovely neck of the woods will be area, no doubt. because Northumberland and Lindisfarne. Lindisfarne is where they originally raided first, if I recall. Oh, I think I'm on a master put a free console on Lindisfarne to do the release. Just that, saying. Just saying. That would be fucking brilliant. <laughs> that is a cracking idea. See, tell him tell him I should be the tour manager you or the, the band manager. I've got some all the good of, ideas, man. Some sort of PR. I've got fuck all experience, but I'm really keen. Mm. At both I being a band the... manager and no, I'll not finish that sentence. Do you think do you think they've they've they'll visit the Lindisfarne, wouldn't you? When they've been in the UK, they'll have visited. No doubt. I, I don't know. That's how they got here. Probably now and then. They probably did come over on a long boat. Maybe on a little boat. As long as they didn't get off at St. Mary's Lighthouse. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Might see some things that you don't want around there. <laughs> bit of a notorious spot for certain activities in the northeast. You can probably guess what. People in cars late at night. Yes. Yes. I still remember when Pokemon Go became a thing and every, everyone was like, oh, fuck hell, new, new customers. <laughs> oh fuck no it's not it's just people playing Pokemon excuse me I'm looking for Pikachu have you seen him <laughs> do you mind I'm busy <laughs> what you're not here for you're not no I'm here no. playing Pokemon man I'll show you me Pikachu son anyway on that note which is just it's amazing it we've gone for it's just been a roller coaster of emotions guys this podcast and I've re- managed to destroy all the good things we've done right at the end there but that's, I'm, I'm known for that to be fair Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Ooh, we're like the young kids, aren't we? Um, so, remind us again, Stephen, who the band is and the track, although the artist is, rather, I shouldn't say the band, the artist is and the track that is going to play the podcast out this week. That is Strike Eagle with Hard Target. Hard target. That means me the. Oh, I'm gonna have to go watch that. The Jean Claude Van Damme film. You want to just check the album artwork with it? It's it's amazing. I've album, heard it. It's a great album. Fantastic. And so, G Man, super sound dude as well. Big super pop, sound. Big shout. Super sound. Right, and guys, thank you very much for listening. Remember, you can hit us up on the socials as normal uh, on Instagram at wimh underscore pod. W-I-M-H 
pod at gmail.com if you want to send us an email, thoughts, comments, if you want to submit your band to be listening. We've had a couple of guys do that previously, so please do. And then if you want to check out Beardboard streams at Beardboard underscore Baggins on Twitch as well. You can find me and at underscore Ormy underscore O-R-M-Y if you want to find us. I'm pretty boring, to be fair, on Instagram. I tend to post more on the, the podcast one because my life's not that interesting, to be honest. If um, I can also announce on that... Uh, on the Twitch stream on the 22nd of December, we are doing a live giveaway. We're giving away, I've got like a bundle pack for you. And we have a signed copy of Boz, Fury of Pagana, Mortal Chain, signed copy of their self-titled. Uh, hoping to have a signed copy of Cast and Tefra, um, uh, Realm of Blissful Ignorance, as well as a Cast and Tefra uh, woven patch and a Beardwo Baggins pin badge. And a, uh, ooh, I think we've got something else. I think we've got a, um, I can't remember the other thing, but I'm, I, I, the list will be posted in Discord on my Discord server as well as on Instagram. So, uh, yeah, 22nd live giveaway with a, a Beardable Baggins bundle pack. If I win this one, are you going to give that away yes. as well? No, 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 no. It's <laughs> open to everyone. It's not limited to everyone because last one was just limited to like kind of the northeast. This one is li- everyone and everyone, every anywhere and everyone, wherever you are in the world. If you're interested, you want to win That's- some cool album merch. It's it's out there for everyone. That didn't answer me question. I said if I win but this yes, one, you will. Yes, will I get the keybit. You will. No, like last time when you gave me prize away. 100 posts. Devastated. Yes. Devastated I was. Yes. Just snatched I could tell. defeat from the jaws of victory. I could tell. I know. Can you tell I'm bitter? A uh, little bit. Anyway, Stevie. Yeah. If one falls. We did that wrong, didn't I? You did. I missed that I bit. Was, I. See, I was getting confused. I, I did it wrong this time. Shit. Start again. See, folks, it's not just me. Well, some, uh, yeah, no. I'm not but, perfect. But he'll fucking cut my shit out. Oh, sorry, cut his shit out and leave mine in. I'm purposely not going to do that. I'm totally going to do that. <laughs> the rules of the pit are the rules for life. When someone falls, we pick them up. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.